Here's the blunt truth. Your dating profile sucks. It sucks bad. I know it does. I've seen them. And every dude that's come to get help from me has had a really, really terrible profile, but they really didn't realize how bad it actually was. I think they were driven to come get help from me because they weren't getting the matches they were expecting and they couldn't figure out why. Well, they figured out why. It's because their dating profile was all wrong. So if you want help with yours to get you better matches and the matches that you're looking for, just come to this girl. Go to kristencarney.com slash dating help. I'll make you a dating profile that is witty, but also you. It's engaging, it's interesting, and it's not a turnoff to her. So get my help. Go to kristencarney.com slash dating help, kristencarney.com slash dating help. Want to know the hidden meaning behind what women say and do? Then check out the Chictionary. It's the Wing Girl Methods manual that gives you a full rundown of all the things women say that confuse men written in dictionary format. Go get a copy of the Chictionary by going to winggirlmethod.com slash chick. That's winggirlmethod.com slash chick. Coming up on this week's episode of the Ask Women podcast, we have my new hero, Dr. Susan Campbell on the show, who is going to talk to us about triggers and how that may be affecting you in dating and the girls that you're trying to date. As well, she's going to talk to us about authentic, honest communication and how you can make it sexy the next time that you're interacting with a woman so that it'll make her want you more. So keep listening to this episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the Ask Women podcast. It's your host, Kristen Carney, here with, or partly here with, through the internet, <laughs> with Marnie Kinris, owner of thewinggirlmethod.com. And we have a very special guest today who is the author of Getting Real. Uh, she is a relationship a relationship expert, and all about honest communication. Susan Campbell, thanks for joining us. All right. Glad to be here. Finally glad joining us. We had some difficulty in technical communication for the first 20 minutes. Um, but Big I, surprise. Yes, exactly. This is like very frequent for us. Um, but Susan, I, I just want to thank you for being here. And I'm going to give a little bit of a background on how I uh, was introduced to you. So our common friend... Uh, Susan Braddon, who is wonderful, who's actually going to be on our podcast very soon. She is a sexpert, but even you know behind the curtains of being a sexpert, she is an unbelievable woman, strong woman, uh, has a great marriage, great business. Anyway, I, I, I really respect her and, and value her as a friend. I reached out to her because I'm just going to be personal because that's what the show is about, about being personal. Uh, I was having some difficulty within my own marriage where my husband and I um, have been getting into this cycle of repeating the same argument over and over and over again. And each time we repeat it, it gets heightened and it's harder to sort of uh, recover from. So I reached out to Susan because she and her husband, Tim Braddon, have, from my opinion, a wonderful marriage. And I know that I'm sure they have a marriage like everybody else where there's ups and downs, but I do know that they... Um, they really work on their marriage. Anyway, I asked her if she had a resource or what her secret was for her marriage. And she quickly pointed me towards an article that she had written and an interview that she had done with Susan Campbell and said, she is my go-to guru for relationship and communication advice. And it sounds like exactly what you need. Anyway, I watched the video of Susan and Susan. Uh, and it, it's on um, Susan 
Braden's website, Personal Life Media. Um, and it was, an, it was a great interview where Dr. Campbell talked about her book, The Five-Minute Relationship Repair. And she was talking about individuals' triggers. And I want to talk more about that with Susan. Anyway, I ended up purchasing the book and my husband and I have been going through that book together. And it's really had an impact and a lot of things that I've been trying to communicate to my husband as a coach for a very long time. Um, Susan was able to to get through with him, through to him with the way that she laid out the information. So Susan, first, I want to thank you for that. Um, and then second, I want to thank you for being here. And I would love for you to elaborate a little bit on the things I was just talking about, uh, about the, the triggers and communication for people and where all of this mess comes from for individuals in relationships and out of relationships. Okay. The kind of triggers that we'll be talking about are the triggers that happen when you're in relationship with somebody else. But this could be a work relationship, a dating relationship. We're not necessarily talking about long term now. Any kind of relationship, we are humans who need connection and safety with other humans. So that's the, the basic thing. Our brains are wired from birth, and it comes through our evolutionary history, they're wired to watch for danger. We don't realize this, but they're actually looking for bad news out there. There's one part of the brain. It's the amygdala, which is right next to the reptilian brain that sends you into fight, flight, freeze. So there's this amygdala part of the brain. And the reason I'm starting with the brain science here, Marnie, is to let people know that humans need this information so they can learn how to deal with their brains yeah. when their when their brains get stuck in the lower centers, like the emotional center, which is the amygdala, and the reptilian fight-flight-freeze reactivity centers. Because humans have evolved to develop this higher brain, the cerebral cortex. But the thing is, the cerebral cortex processes information more slowly. So you can like shoot first and ask questions later. That type of thing really, obviously we know it happens in life and it happens in communication between people who love each other. You see the person looking around, let's say it's a dating relationship. Let's try that one because you you do a lot for men in dating. You're, 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 you're meeting somebody maybe even for the first time at a cocktail party and uh, this other person who you're quite attracted to starts looking around the room instead of looking at you when you're talking. Now, if you put yourself, male or female, if you put yourself in that situation, your mind might start running stories like she's looking for somebody more attractive. She's bored. I'm not interesting enough. I'm not enough. And that's one Mm -hmm. of those core fears that can get triggered. There's the I'm not enough trigger. There's the my feelings don't matter trigger. There's a a whole bunch of little fears that are usually in our unconscious. And during the romance stage of a relationship, we're pretty good at helping each other feel safe and loved. But as time goes on, and now I'll bring it to couples. What you see is couples start to feel safer with each other, and then 
I'm going to just say their unconscious material starts to come up and they start to be a little more sensitive to my partner's tone of voice. Is is she looking like she wants to be somewhere else when I'm talking to her or having any kind of a disagreement? Like you want to have sex and your partner doesn't. Uh, That can push your buttons. So triggers, buttons, I use those terms synonymously, but basically your survival alarm system is wired up to watch for those cues that you're not safe with this other person. And once it detects lack of safety, it rings. It's like an alarm fire ringing. And it puts you into some version of fight, fly, freeze. It doesn't have to be strong, strong running out the room or punching a wall or, or anything like that. It can be just general anxiety and thoughts, racing thoughts about what this behavior means. And so I teach couples how to accept that we all have these triggers because they're built into our brain. And there is a way to get more mastery over these triggers if you understand the process. So if you begin to watch when you get into one of those reactive cycles that Marnie, you and your husband, you know, you mentioned, you, you get into these. So the more, the, more, the more she talks, the more he clams up. That's one. Or the more he asks questions, the more she gets defensive. The more she gives suggestions, the more he makes excuses. Okay, these are the kind of cycles I'm talking about. So I mm-hmm. hope that sounds familiar to some of our listeners here. And I'll, I'll just pause here in case you have any questions. But there are some practices that I teach, and you, you know that they're in the five-minute relationship repair book there which are basically what to do when you get triggered. And I don't even want you to pause. I want you to continue. Sure. So what do we do? What do we do when that alarm is ringing and it's rung before and we go, my mind might go, here we go again. Or I might not even realize that it's a familiar pattern because I'm so in, in my instinctive trying to trying to just do something like a cornered animal sometimes for some for some of yeah. us we just want to run out of the room or disappear for others of us if our partner says well i can't deal with this right now we feel abandoned that's that fear of abandonment and all of these fears like fears like i'm not enough fear of abandonment fear of being criticized or misunderstood or not seen not heard all of these kind of fears originate from a time in childhood, and it's often before we even had memory or language, when some of our core needs were not met. Needs to be held when you're in pain, held and comforted when you're in pain. So I want to mention what the child development and child rearing or parenting process is like for an awful lot of people. And there's pl- there's good we're good parents. Let's just assume goodwill, good parents, loving parents, but the child cries and the parent, let's say the mother, you know, new, new baby. Maybe it's my first baby. My baby's inconsolable. She's crying. And I start to get anxious. And I, maybe I, maybe I've been told, you know, put a pacifier in her mouth or, you know, they, they get a little older, you give them a toy. You try to distract them. Rather than, I mean, that's a, this is a common practice. And of course, 
this information I'm putting out is aimed to help change parenting practices too, because what the child really needs is just to be held and soothed for as long as it takes for that little child to come back into calmness. Jordan needs to be held. I know honey. that's what I'm getting from this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually, it's, actually, it's the reverse, to be honest. And parents, and and is Jordan your husband? Yeah, yeah. Because exactly what you what you just said, Kristen. When we're triggered, Jordan's like a little baby who needs. And I'm not yeah. putting anybody down here. <laughs> it's, it's like you're feeling your nervous system needs some what we call co-regulation, which has to yeah. do with. I love that part. Exactly the same things that mothers need to do to calm a frightened child. Soothing, soothing voice. You could try that too. Nipple Marnie. You could try that too because. When Paltrow does that, it works. Touch. (laughs) Yeah. Touch, soothing voice tones, eye contact, just letting them know that you're present. And that's, that's what a partner needs. But of course, here's the, here's the thing, Marnie, if you're triggered, your husband's going to be triggered or if he's triggered, right? you know, you, you co-trigger each other because you're wired up now as kind of a we system. You're connected mm-hmm. through love, through that, through that bonding that happened during, you know, your early stages. So we're not even independent entities anymore once we get into a long term right. couple relationship. So what I teach couples to do then once you notice the early warning signs that somebody's triggered, couples need to have a pause agreement where they name the word, some word, some safe word. Uh, for most people, the word is just pause. Something you can easily remember. And then they make an agreement that whenever either of us starts to feel any of those reactive stories, like I'm not important to my partner or he never listens to me, any, any of those stories, we say the word pause and we do some breathing, some practices, whatever it is, take a walk, but something that we know will calm ourselves down and get us back into our higher brain functioning. So that's that's what to do. There's there's some more communication steps, but again, yeah. I want well, to then people pause. have to people have to purchase your book to find out that stuff. <laughs> what about people who don't have higher brain functioning? And I mean, dudes that might be jerks or girls that might be jerks and they're not ever really on that level. Um, people who have lack of impulse control would be uh, a, a thing that I think you might be referring to. People who really have serious addictions yeah, and they're run by their addictions. Uh, they're, they're not good candidates for this work because this work does require a commitment to your own uh, growth and self-awareness. This is not right. a practice. This is not yeah, a practice for gone. everyone. Right. But, but it's, but a, it's a practice for most right. people. What? It's a practice for most people, the people that I, I work with. It's a, it's a practice for most of the people that I know and most people most that I work people with. Can, most people can do this. Yeah. There's just a few, you know, a few people who, um, you know, their brain didn't even develop that well. I mean, we've all got some deficits in our brain development. And by the way, an adult healing type relationship, like what I'm talking about, where you kind of nurture each other and reveal your vulnerable feelings and needs after a triggering event, that can rewire your brain for a kind of safety that you never felt all your life. You can still, because there's this thing that scientists have called brain plasticity, the brain can still develop 
even you know, when you're 40, 50, 60 years old. Oh, yeah, because you... There's a chance for me. <laughs> exactly. There's a well, chance. So, so, <laughs> yeah. So I, I love everything that you have been saying. And I don't even really think there's a lot of follow-up questions because you've given all of the information. And again, there's more information on how to specifically do this in your book, The Five-Minute Relationship Repair. Um, one of the most interesting things that my husband said to me when we first started dating, and we would get into little spats, is after we would fight, he reminded me and he would say, it's difficult for me to soothe you when we're both heated. And I had never understood that before. I always, when I was younger, I thought, okay, well, we're fighting and it's the man's responsibility to then nurture me first. And and you're simply reiterating that information that he had said. And I was glad that I had learned that. Yes, but so yes. Much- I, 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 I love I love you. I love this guy. You got a great guy. I know I do. You know? We ju- he's just an ass sometimes, but <laughs> well, <laughs> well, he doesn't always he doesn't always do what you want. Right, exactly. And Isn't that what everybody's supposed to do? Exactly. There you go. You know my triggers. Um, no, I have a wonderful, wonderful husband. That that's not in question. We just want to figure out how to do things better. You know, and and in terms of communication styles. Because I am a coach and I'm immersed in a lot of this information, there's things that I do know and that I'm practicing on a daily basis that he's not aware of. Um, and so, you know, we're going through this together and sometimes it becomes frustrating. So what's one of your what's one of your cycles? What's one of your reactive cycles? Do you want to get personal? Yeah. One of my reactive cycles like, is I go like the more a cycle a cycle is a two person thing. I do this and then he resists. You know, I tell him what I want and then he gives me excuses why he there can't do it. There you go. That's or, our cycle. You know, that's exactly the cycle. Is it? <laughs> oh, made that up out of But that's air. the exact okay. cycle. I tell yeah. him yeah. X, Y, and Z and he puts up a barrier right away in questions and I have to fight and convince and um, he, yeah, it's... It, and by the time I'm done fighting and convincing why X, Y, Z has to happen or why it could happen or should happen, I'm exhausted and drained. And then he gets it, but I'm I'm over it at that point. And it's a, it's a continuous cycle. And then when I'm over it, he gets really upset that he's disappointed me. So then we go into that cycle as well. And it's, it's, I can, since reading your book, I can literally like step back and see all of it happening. Yeah. There's several, several um, interlocking cycles here. I can hear what you're describing. Yeah. Yeah. And so this, I mean. So so I, it's my opinion that the minute you ask for something, he may get a little triggered. Yes. You know, a little triggered. And so his questions to you right away are perhaps, do they seem a little defensive sometimes? Yes. Or trying to or try, pick holes Trying in to have an opinion or have control. Something as simple as um, we had a party that we planned for my son's preschool class at the house. I planned it. I've told him about it. I've let him know what's going on. I put everything together and I've been thinking about it for two weeks. On the day, an hour before everybody comes, he starts to throw out suggestions or to, you know, poke holes in the things that I've done and while they're helpful, for me, it feels attacking and it's triggering me because I'm like, okay, now you're telling me I'm not doing this right. I've been thinking about it 
for so that's your trigger. Yeah, that's that's yeah, your trigger. Yes, that's my trigger. And that, I'm not I'm not doing it right. Button push. Yeah, uh-huh. I guess that is a different Would argument. You, but yeah, but they're they're just little things like that. Well, those, that are, those are everyday things. This is a wonderful example, Marnie. You you, yeah. you thought you guys had an agreement about how everything's going to go. Uh, can you can you actually get some objectivity about this day now as we're as we're looking at it here? We can get some um, objectivity where we can see that, hey, this could, you know, this is like normal behavior to make make suggestions. This is this is not out of line for him to throw out ideas. You know, well, that, he didn't do anything out of line, but it was unexpected yes. by you and it was unwanted by you. And you just didn't need anything more to think about at that time, probably. Yes, that that exactly. You just worded it properly. It's like I'm already overwhelmed because I'm yeah. about to have 20 little kids and their yeah. entire families over at my house. Sure. And now he's telling me certain things that could be done better or things that I that just things that I don't have time for and he's not offering to go do it or just going out the door to go do it. He's just adding more to my list and that yeah it piles up the anxiety for me where yeah, like, I just, I I I have a technique mm-hmm. for that cuz I've I've had uh partner like that. Always an, always another idea for something that's going to fall on my shoulders. So yeah, I, what's the I technique? Had the code, I had the code word with him. This was, you know, even before I really learned quite as much as I do now about triggers, I just said, good idea and let it go. And I would never do the things that he, that he asked, really? but we had, oh, a, had an agreement. Good. It was a joke. It was a joke because, you know, he knew I didn't want those, those, suggestions right then and there oh i like that okay so it's a way to sort of joke about it no i that, that, yeah, that i mean once you know once you've been through it enough these things can actually some of them if they're not deep deep triggers they can become lighthearted. uh but the real the, the real practice here where you're going to learn more would be when he when he starts piling that on for you to actually say could we pause i've got some stuff coming up about the fact that you're giving me suggestions now, but I don't want to deal with it now, you know, cause I'm, you know, cause I'm already, I see now that I'm overloaded. Anytime you're overloaded and your partner says one more thing, you need to pause. And that's like not even a big trigger. That's just to protect yourself from being overloaded. And couples need that agreement. They need the pause to use for any of these situations. Oh, that's fantastic. Couples hate to pause. You know, they think they shouldn't have to. They shouldn't have to calm themselves down to get back in their most resourced self. Right. But they do. We have to get humble. We need these practices. I completely agree. I want to take a quick break because I want to come back and talk about people who are single and in the dating space and how these triggers affect them. So we're going to be back in a minute with Susan Campbell. Whenever I go away for the weekend, I never have any idea which bag to take with me. I either have my boring black suitcase that I got from Target that everyone else has, or I can take this dingy old duffel bag that I got from my parents' basement years and years ago. And honestly, I usually go duffel bag because it's a weekend trip. It makes more sense to have a duffel bag and not a suitcase. And now I don't really have to choose between 
the crummy duffel bag, and the suitcase because I got a Baboon duffel bag. And Baboon makes technical duffel bags for all of life's adventures. They're waterproof, tearproof, durable, but also stylish duffel bags. And they come with free shipping and a lifetime guarantee. And they come in two sizes, a small for carrying on and a large to check. Both sizes can be stuffed in a trunk, carried on your back, or dragged wherever your adventure takes you. See why Condé Nast Traveler is calling it the ultimate weekender. I'm going to become the ultimate weekender now that I've got my baboon bag. So visit baboontothemoon.com and enter promo code WOMEN to receive 10% off of your purchase. That's baboontothemoon.com, code WOMEN. baboontothemoon.com, code WOMEN. Hey guys, I need you to do me a favor. Touch the back of your hair. How does it feel? Does it feel full or does it feel like it's thinning? Even if you're young, there's a chance that it's going and it's going quickly and it's so much easier to stop hair loss than it is to regrow your own hair. It's like, think about a lawn. If you have to start from just dirt, growing that grass is going to be really hard. But if you've already got some grass to work with, it's going to go a lot quicker. So you guys are going to get a really cool deal from this website called forhims.com. I've talked about this site before. It's a one-stop shop for men's wellness, and you are getting a killer, killer, killer deal. If you go to forhims.com slash wants, you get a trial month of everything that you need to keep your hair for just $5 right now. Like it's $5. It's crazy. Go to the website to see the full details, but this would cost you so much money if you went to a doctor or pharmacy. So go to forhims.com slash wants. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash wants. Forhims.com slash wants. Okay. And we are back again. We have Dr. Susan Campbell with us, who is the author of, for me, I'll say you're the author of The Five-Minute Relationship Repair, but you are also the author of many, many other titles that talk about open and honest communication. And as you can tell from the first half of this show, Susan is definitely an expert in this area. And Susan, I wanted to talk more uh, to the audience that is listening to this show, who is single and dating. And you mentioned at the top of the show about, you know, being somewhere and you're out and you find somebody attractive and you're having a conversation and she suddenly starts looking around the room and you're triggered. I'd love to help some people out because I I know that many people listening to the show have that happen where some sign that the woman is giving them is not in line with what they deem to be signs of attraction and that can send them into a bit of a tizzy uh, of insecurity. So I, I would love to hear how to help them combat that. Yeah, you might have to make a mess a few times while you're learning how to manage your reactivity in dating. When I say make a mess, you might have to like notice that you went, you just went on an automatic pattern. The woman's looking around, use that example. The woman's looking around while you're talking to her, hoping for real interest to be shown. And she doesn't seem interested. So you get triggered. Begin to be curious. So the first step when you're using dating relationships to become more self-aware, because really that's, that's the context. Everything needs to be for something beyond just getting the date. Because there's this deeper learning that if you can make deeper learning about yourself the goal, rather than just getting that first date or that second date or what, you know, getting physical, whatever, whatever it is, whatever your goal is. If you then, if, if you can see that all of this is for your own learning and development anyway, 
then even your failures become grist for the mill. And I I think that's the only way to have a happy life because we do stumble and make messes. So just given that, because I wanted to set the context, uh, you begin to get curious about what happens inside of you when a woman doesn't seem to be that interested in you. You know, you notice that, gee, that's, that's, I'm real sensitive to that. Okay, what what I seem to do is I start trying harder. I start telling jokes. I start talking. Oh, or you maybe you have a different automatic pattern, but whatever when you start to see some automatic kind of communication habit happening that later on you realize, gosh, that wasn't my best self. What I want you to do is this little homework exercise. Reflect on, I mean, I'll give you some in the moment things you can do in a minute, but this, you, you, you need to allow for failures. So, so when you kind of let yourself down, this, this is the practice that I call the daily authenticity inventory. Uh, you reflect back, you know, at the end of the day or after you've gotten home from the singles event or the first date, you reflect on that and you go, when did I not really show up as my best self? And what was going on there? And just kind of feel into it. And if I had been much more relaxed and spontaneous, what would I have said if I really hadn't been trying to impress her? Maybe I would have said, I see you looking around and I'm imagining you're getting tired of this conversation. Are you? And I would have said it in a lighthearted way that shows that I can handle rejection. And that's what I would wish for for myself. So I say those words and I act that with that aspect in the privacy of of my own apartment, let's say. Yeah. And I'm practicing more resourceful responses to these awkward situations by actually saying, wish, this is what I wish I had done if I'd had all my marbles available to me. You're not criticizing yourself. It's, it's more like giving yourself re- really constructive criticism. It's not really criticism at yeah. all. It's just giving yourself a second chance. And a couple of times when I've done things like this on a date, I've actually phoned the guy. Like I had, I had a situation where the guy says, uh, and this, this took me by surprise, and that's why I got kind of thrown off by it. He said, what do you think of me? And I really liked the guy, but I was af- afraid of seeming too eager, you know, like most dating people. And I I just said, well, I think you're a nice man. And I saw his nonverbals after I said that. He started to slump down. Kiss of death. Yeah. And I I mean, I was really triggered. I mean, it sounds sounds like, you know, I was saying just something neutral, but I was covering up my own vulnerability of being like delighted that he even cared because I was really attracted to the guy. But when I saw him slump down, I didn't know what to do. So later, I guess it was a day later, I phoned him and I said, you know, we had that conversation. I reiterated it and I saw this nonverbal thing. And I I just realized that I didn't say what I really meant. I was kind of being shy and trying to be cool. And what you asked me took me by surprise. So I said that. But if I had it to do over, I would have told you I'm wildly attracted to you. Oh, wow. And boy, that really t- turned things around yeah. in, in this case. It doesn't always, but, you know, we had a, a really nice relationship after that. 
So this, this, is, this is one practice, but let's go back to what do you do in the moment when you get cues that she's not interested, maybe. Let's, let's just keep with that example. Uh, you might, once you've kind of learned a little bit more about yourself, you might, you might say, uh, I notice, because the best way to get yourself out of being triggered and um, back into the present moment is to say something that you're currently aware of. Like, I notice you looking around and I'm, have, I'm having a fantasy that you want to change the subject or that you're bored with this conversation. Is that true? And this takes guts, but it's present. It's, it's you and me. It's just about us. And so it's kind of exciting when you bring a conversation right into the present moment. Some, some women will feel like they're put on the spot and they'll hem and haw, but you've stepped into the unknown with another person and they may fumble a little bit like the way I did, you know, but it eventually leads, if you hang in there and don't just, you know, walk away, even when it gets a little awkward, it eventually often leads to something more real and genuine. And she might say, yeah, I was, I was tired of the conversation because you haven't asked me anything about myself and I was thinking about that instead of really listening to what you were saying and then you both have a really good laugh it's like when people tell the truth it releases a lot of tension and it's it it's kind of a unique way of flirting which is telling the truth about what's going on inside of you in the moment well and this is 2018 like authenticity and honesty is you know sexy it's very sexy. It's like it's like the it's like the new the new fake pickup line that everybody's using. You know, yeah. it's like what was really hot before was to have a routine, and now being authentic and real is super attractive. Because yes. again, what you were talking about before with the brain, it's unexpected, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, that's you, why it's really, interesting really, to people. You're really stepping into the unknown, and that's where real excitement is. Yeah, I actually call it announcing the elephant, so that yeah, you perfect. can get out of. Yeah. So instead of, if, you know, saying, okay, you know, what are you looking around the room for? Um, but just saying inside of your own head, what's going on? Oh my God, I got really nervous right now because I'm really enjoying this conversation. And I saw you look around and I, I'm hoping you're feeling Perfect. the same way too. Something like that. So that it's putting the onus yes. on you and may yes. not feel as attacking towards a woman. But I, I had this. Um, yes. that's, 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 that's even better. That's terrific. And, yeah. and that is the kind of thing that I would coach people to do is just Say what you notice and what you feel. And if you can lead with your own vulnerability, that's the best. Yeah. And that is really what people are talking about when they say, just be yourself. Just like let out what yeah. you're really thinking yeah. and feeling. So I think that's an yeah. excellent tool. Um, and as you said before, it does take practice being able to do that. And once you get into the flow, you're like, oh, this actually feels pretty good. And I don't get the responses that I was thinking I would get. I actually most often get the opposite responses, which is similar to what you said about a woman then being real with you. So I, I think that's unbelievable advice. I want to say something about the looking over the shoulder thing um, because living in Los Angeles, Marnie may have experiences at some point, but I know Marnie's doing stand-up old, comedy, she's been around the mill. She's uh, yeah. She barely walks anymore. Right. But <laughs> being a comedian, going out into the social world, the social networking 
part of, or not even social networking, just the networking portion of stand up. You go to a comedy club and comedians don't look at you in the eyes. They look past you and they talk to the person behind you essentially the entire time they're having a conversation with you. And when that first happened to me, I was very self-conscious and very uncomfortable and very resentful. And I, and I turned it inward and I don't think that was a very good decision. And I didn't, I didn't realize that I didn't need to take on that. Their action in their own world is their own insecurity because they feel like they need to be with someone so important that it validates them. So I actually realized that it's an insecurity on their end, not so much on your own end. And so I don't want guys to, to internalize it and go, oh, they're not looking at me. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. It's because no, they're inside not good enough and they're feeling the need to have someone else validate them. Yes, they're trigger. Well, it's good Mm -hmm. to remember in the dating world that we're all kind of insecure and we all want approval and validation of some sort. Maybe, Maybe one person's more attracted than the other person is, but people... Aren't, it isn't just about you, like it, that, Kristen. That's in, exactly. a, in a sense. Yeah, that's you know, true. It's not just about my feelings. That person's got some vulnerabilities too. Exactly. And so I don't need to be afraid of him yeah, or her. Exactly. I love right. And also, one thing I, I wanted to add in here with because we were talking about being more present in the moment. Some of our listeners are not that quick on the draw. You know, they're slower processors. And you may think, well, you know, women like the quick-witted guy with a fast comeback. We've got to just be where we're at. So you might have to learn to say, uh, let me pause for a minute. I got to check in with myself about how I want to react to that. Oh, I like that. Right. And just give yourself yep. a sentence like that to slow things down and let her know that you're interested in what she said. And you're interested enough to let me give that some thought for a second second here. Just yeah, buy and- yourself some time because I, I think it's it's um it's a shame that so many people think they have to just be real yeah, quick think- witted to be an acceptable yeah, be person. You guys do want to be, if you guys do want to be quick witted though, you can come to me for that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> at kristencarney.com slash dating help. But it is, it is interesting. Yeah. yeah. The, the more practice you get, the more yeah, quick exactly. you'll be. Well, I always say to my husband, I'm like, I wish you had a narrator over your shoulder. Who's, who's like telling me what's going on, like what this face means and why you walked away at this point. Because I, I always say to him, please just verbalize why why you're doing certain things. And I know that for him, it's difficult. And even for him to say, okay, I just need a second to process this would be very helpful for me. Because, mm. you know, so yes, yeah, so mm-hmm. everything you're saying on this this interview is fantastic. I do want to transition this. You know, one way to get, and this could go for dating or long relationships, one way to get information about what that tone of voice or that you know, look where he puts one eyebrow up or something. What does that look mean? Is to say, I notice yes. your facial expression and I'm thinking yes. da 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 da. Is that the case? And that gets that gets the ball rolling and you've been vulnerable. You've said, and I'm think I'm thinking that maybe you're judging what I just said. <laughs> uh, but you know, I respect you enough to want to know. You don't have to put that in there, but but are you? Is that is that what's going on? And then it, it starts a dialogue. Sometimes people yeah, a more don't know how to answer an, an open-ended question, but when you give them a choice, they'll say no. They'll say no, but 
then they'll substitute what is the correct answer I for love them. That. I did I did want to transition this conversation to um, another topic that is very prevalent right now because as I am reading Susan's book and going through it and learning more about triggers, which before I didn't really have a label for, I I was just seeing how often I was triggered in my own life. And I actually went on social media <laughs> last week, like on my own personal Facebook, which I never do. And all I felt was trigger, 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 trigger. And I was like, this is why I don't go on yeah, this Yeah, that's thing. like, a, yeah, you're like walking in a landmine there. Yeah, but landmine. so then I was thinking like, everybody is so triggered now. And that had me thinking about the Me Too movement. And, you know, when I asked you to come onto this show, mm-hmm. I asked you if you do speak about that because I'd, I'd love to hear your perspective on Me Too and maybe some advice to the men who are listening on, you know, how how to... I don't know what I was saying, combat, but how to, how to deal with that right now, how to deal with this climate of, of where we are, you know, gender-wise. Cut off your dicks. <laughs> well, I read, your, I read your blog, and it was a very good blog, Marnie. Thank you. And so I'll reiterate a couple of the things that you said that I would, uh, that I would have said also, which, which is flirting is different than using your power and threatening and not taking no for an answer. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's the first thing. Like for me, flirting is letting the woman know that you have interest. But flirting is like a dance. And I, I describe this in my book, Truth in Dating. And... Kind of similar, and I'm gonna I'm gonna describe the dance. You know, you take a step toward the woman, and then you watch. Does she take a step toward you, or does she move away? Mm-hmm. You know, if she moves away, then uh, you need you, you need to maybe you know maybe you can take one more step toward. And when I say step, it could right. be a verbal overture, like uh, you, you say, you know, do you want to you want to you want to go outside where where we can be be alone and hear each other if you're in a bar you know that's the step toward her uh if if she says no um you know that's a pretty good indication she's not not really one to pursue but you could take one more step and say well um if you want to if 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 you want to stay here do you still want to talk and if she says no then you're, you're 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 out of there but um you really do need to not keep pushing forward if you don't get any cues of her moving toward you so uh, in your in your article you just you talked about you don't go from zero to 60 like i like your eyes let's have sex that's actually the only time i've ever slept with anyone right yeah Yeah. well it depends on the chemistry between the people and so forth and um it, it there's, there's nothing wrong with having sex right away, but um, a lot of women, and this is what Marnie put in her thing, and it's just something for, for guys to be aware of, which is a lot of women feel objectified. Now, I, I, I don't. I, I can handle those kind of bold overtures, and I always have been able to, and I can come right back and say whatever whatever I need to say, unless I'm in a really, um, like, power power differential position which which I've been in too and that you know and that, and that it gets sticky throws in a whole other dynamic so let's say 
just a normal dating where there's no power differential is what we're talking about here. And I, I just want to say, be spontaneous, be yourself, but don't keep going. Don't keep running off without checking in with where the other person's at. Yeah, I agree with that. If you say, let's have sex and, she, and her face lights up, then, right. you know, she made a move toward you. So then the next question is, where should we go? Right, exactly. You That's know? the whole thing. It's just seeing that you're on the same page with somebody. It's checking out, you know, how you're being received, not losing touch with your audience. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is we, you've already given some great tactics for how to clarify what the other person is thinking if you're not understanding it. If you take a step forward and she yeah. takes a step back, you can say, okay, I'm noticing <laughs> that, you know, yeah. when I try to grab your ass, you slap my hand away. Does that mean <laughs> that you don't, like, you can be, you can be very clear. You can use your words as yeah. well. You don't have yeah. to. And you can do it playfully. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you can do it playfully. Too. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just say, I, you know, I noticed this and this is what my mind's doing with that. Is that the case? Yeah. Do you think that we're all... Get, get good at that, folks. That's a really good oh skill. My God, amazing. That can go through for every relationship, not just, you know, yourself and, and women. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be a romantic type relationship. Yeah, in the workspace. Do too. it with your kids. Do it with your teenagers. Oh, yeah. If anybody's got teenagers here, hard to get them to talk sometimes. Oh my God. Yes. Well, I had a question. This is just going to be my final question. Do you think that we are more triggered now, like people in general... Do you think that everybody's like walking around at a level seven now of just our nervous system? Level seven, they're at like level 15. I know. Well, yeah, after last night, especially. But um, but like, are are we becoming more and more triggered? Well, to the extent that the world is less safe, feels less safe to people, I think the answer is yes. And I think the world does feel less safe than when I grew up in the 50s, for Pete's sake. You know, I mean, it was, if some of you have read or seen TV shows about the 50s where everything was predictable and safe. I'm making a generalization. It it does seem like it was like that, yeah. The country is so polarized politically and there really is a lot of diversity. And I think, you know, I think diversity is, and cultural diversity, all kinds of diversity, diversity of opinions that, Humans need diversity for our continued evolution, but right now we're not doing a very good job dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Even the thing where, you know, you want you want your husband to do something and he doesn't want to do it. That's diverse. That's right. a kind of diversity. Yeah. You know? We're not too good with differences yet. So this is human human beings' developmental task. If we want to evolve, we have to learn to Get get better with differences. Get better with saying, well, I seem to be wanting this, but you seem to be wanting that. So what do we do about this difference? Oh, see. Rather than pointing the finger at your partner as the problem. Well, they are the you problem. So. Name, name the difference. <laughs> <laughs> Just name the difference as the problem. And then then you've got more capacity to solve the problem oh when you're not against each other. And so human beings, yeah, we're more anxious. We're more... Uh, we're morally triggered. There's a there's a moral triggers now. Everybody's getting righteous about their own point of view, right. and I'm you know, like moral outrage. Yeah, they're allowed. They're able and, to put it uh, out there. That completely yeah, agree with you. and it gets rewarded. You know this kind of rhetoric. So um, you know we're 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 kind of in a mess as as humans, and it it does affect all of our nervous systems to some degree. Yeah. 
But given that, we can still learn to bring ourselves into the actual presence of this moment. And it's still beautiful. I love that, Susan. I would you love know, to create curriculum for you looking for children. Your eyes, I, you know, right now, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we just have to realize that we can create safety within our own little subgroups, our own communities, and our own relationships. Yeah. And you start with you and you show people examples of how you can communicate openly and honestly. And hopefully some of that will rub off onto other people. They can learn a new skill and pass it on to others. Susan, you have been wonderful. This is the first time that I didn't talk a lot during a show because I really enjoyed everything that you've had to say. And I hope that people listening enjoyed it as well. Um, but I would love to have you back on our show. Yeah, I think you're wonderful. And anybody who is listening, please thank you. Uh, go. You're a great interviewer. Oh, thank you. And, and uh, yeah, next, next time, next time we'll let you talk. Yeah, more. No, I want you to talk all the time and <laughs> I will come to for a therapy session with you. No, yeah. me, me, me. Yeah. Stop <laughs> triggering me, Kristen. Um, you are wonderful. Please go check out uh, Dr. Susan Campbell's book, The Five-Minute Relationship Repair. Even though it is about relationships, these tools can be used for any stage of interaction with other human beings. I, I know it's it's written for those who are in a couple, but again, it can be used by anybody. What website should... It actually it actually is very important to help help you because there's a whole uh, couple of chapters on when things don't go yeah. as planned, how you can self-regulate yeah. and a man being able to self-regulate to be able to manage his own upset emotions. There's some real good work there on compassionate self-inquiry, really being able to hold space for yourself and get to know the parts of yourself that uh, might be causing problems in your I relationship. I love that. I absolutely love that. What What's the website that people go to for you? Susan Campbell. Oh, perfect. Okay. SusanCampbell.com. Please go to that website. Check out all of her materials. She also does um, one-on-one coaching, two-on-one coaching, a lot of stuff. Thank you, Susan. And I I give some free things. I have 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 one one hour a month. One hour a month free uh, group coaching Ooh. call. Oh my God, that's amazing. So we just had one yesterday. So if you go to my website and subscribe to my newsletter there, you'll see it on the homepage. Oh, wow. You'll get information oh, wow. about some, some free events because I'm I'm near retirement age and I'm just trying to give back to the world so my legacy will live oh, on. That's amazing. Well, you're giving good stuff. So I'm, I'm glad that you're doing that. New episodes of the Ask Women podcast come out every Thursday or at least, every, you know, maybe not every, but almost every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific. You guys are awesome. We will see you next week.